heavy blow to the skull. This is not a test. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathRollProds.com Movies and Television Podcast. It's only been three months since we did this. Depression's a bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in all seriousness, I I got into a serious car accident. I have been dealing with a lot of bullshit on my end. There's been a lot of shit going on in real life. I just don't have a Twitter to respond, like, to be like, No, guys, no, we're still here. It's just, life sucks. Yeah. Which is good, because if you did have a Twitter, no one would be asking that. No, no one would care. Nope. Except me. I care. Aw, you care. That's the nicest thing he's ever said to me. (laughs) Ever. Uh, anyway, hi, I'm dead. I got Cave here. Hi. And yeah, it has been a minute since we last did this. And honestly, sitting on this has been the only reason I haven't released the next part of like a fucking like I have one more episode of like Dong and Romper recorded. And I haven't oh. released that because I don't want to go like, hey, here's fucking five updates in a row to the site that are all just video stuff that no one watches. <laughs> The Greatest Eternity thing's been up for like a week, for like, up for like two weeks, and one person's watched it for 26 seconds. <coughs> what? Wasn't me. <laughs> He's been doing this thing where he'll just come up, or come up behind me, sit out of arm's reach, meow at me until I look at him, and then just sit there staring at me. <laughs> oh, the world of cat ownership. Yeah, it's not great. Like, any time... They're you... so filled with love. No. They're not. I think I've told you this before. I have been given more cats than I've had dogs. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel bad for the cats. <laughs> like, I have... like. I've had one dog because my family got it and they got it for like a fucking like hundreds of dollars from a breeder. And then I have okay. been given four cats. Wow. Yeah. Just not even it's just like, Hey, I'm looking, but just put out among my fucking like group of people. I know, Hey, I'm looking for a cat. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I got like five of them. You want one? <laughs> Take all of my cats. Yeah, I don't know. I'll probably I piss. don't them. Yeah. Like, first cat I got, didn't understand that cats needed, you know, time to acclimate to a new, new environment to leave it alone. So I ended up, mm-hmm. accident- so I ended up accidentally catching, a, catching the, a bit of its tail underneath the reclining part of a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then pissed on my bed and stayed at, stayed at the top of the stairs where other cats were that he did, didn't like. He'd rather be. He'd rather been around. He'd other rather cats. be around creatures he despised than you. Yes. At which point his owner came back uh, and just yeeted him into a cat carrier and left. <laughs> and then got another cat that just it tolerated me. <laughs> Didn't tolerate anyone else. Oh, it was right before I moved. Had like had like a person come down look at the had like a person come down look at the apartment I was in. The cat literally attacked them. 
Oh wow, that that sucks. Yeah. And this cat. Some friends of mine just stole it. <laughs> what? Yeah, it was roaming around the streets. Uh, they By the knew- way, this is the movies podcast. For yeah, this is the movies podcast. Curious. We're gonna be talking about the movies. <laughs> yeah, like I. Like apparently the cat was just wandering around. They knew the owner. The owner did not give a fuck about it. Uh, would regularly just like leave it outside, not feed it for weeks, and just kind of let it survive on its own. So then they were like, "Terrible." Yeah. So then they took it and were like, "Hey, heard you looking for a cat." So then they gave it to me, and then a week later they talked to the guy, and the guy's like, "That cat's probably dead." Anyway. Which, honestly, that's not a bizarre opinion I've heard of cat owners. Oh, my cat's missing? Yeah, it's probably dead. Actually, that is a big thing. Cats get predated on by large birds and will just eat random shit. Um, so, like, they'll just disappear. If you have an outdoor cat, your cat will just disappear. And I'm like, how can you get emotionally connected to an outdoor cat when, like, you literally have to treat it like it might just disappear one day? Like, yeah. I don't understand how people can get emotionally connected to outdoor cats. Yeah, I don't know, man. Me, like, I'm an indoor cat person. I don't let my cat outside because I don't want it to get eaten by a hawk. Yes, I'm an indoor cat person because I can't afford the vet bills for an outdoor cat. That too. <laughs> yeah, keep cat indoors. You have to take it to the vet way less. And I mean just for like routine shit, not even like injuries. Just cats out in the wild get exposed to all kinds of bullshit because apparently pet animals aren't exactly great at surviving in the wild. Weird, right? Yeah. Anyway, let's actually talk about movies and stuff. We've been here for six minutes. And this is probably going to be our most listened to podcast just because we talked about cats for the first six minutes. Oh, I will not mention it at all. <laughs> I will I will I will intentionally remove it from the show notes. <sighs> but anyway, I guess I'll go first. So I had a big ass list of stuff uh that we have pruned down to some choice picks. Specifically we'll things I'll be here for 4 yeah, hours, don't worry. Specifically things I want to talk about and things Kate wants me to talk about. And then this other thing that I'm going to start with, uh Murdoch Mysteries. Murdoch Mysteries is a Canadian detective show it's a period drama yeah set like turn of the century turn of the millennia i don't know like night like early 1900s and they jerk off um what's his face is it edison tesla no it's tesla they jerk off nikola tesla like he's the god of technology oh yeah first fucking episode is literally the, f- the first episode is Murdoch goes to see Nikola Tesla, and they're both just like, oh, yes, we're so smart about the future. We're going to just fucking... Oh, so intelligent. Yeah. You want to you want to sit between my Tesla, Tesla coils and suck each other off? Oh, yes. Which I made is, a cell phone. Which is largely my issue with the show. <laughs> I do not like the character of Murdoch. Yeah, I can understand that. Like, I've... I've for whatever reason, shows 
having a character very smugly talk about things that will happen in the future that he knows about because the show was written in the future really pisses me off. Okay. <laughs> Just this idea, this idea of like, hey, let's go back. Like it was the same kind of thing with fucking the, the, the newsroom, where the newsroom would. The newsroom was like an Aaron Sorkin show about a about a news broadcast team, a fictional news broadcast team, reporting on real events that happened like fucking ten years ago. And they'd always report them from this position of moral superiority, because they can because it's the show is written from the point of view of people who know the fallout of these different things they're reporting. Yeah, like the fuck. Yeah, and so having Murdoch come in and be like and be like oh yes I'm a, de- I'm a detective here in contemporary Toronto because the show is entirely Canadian that was that was my main interest in it is because it was entirely Canadian <laughs> like, how it the is fu- very Canadian like how the fuck often do we get goddamned Canadian t- Canadian centered mystery shows fucking never the last one I remember is Kids in the Hall Death Comes to Town. <laughs> Fuck, man. Man, so watch that, and it is, uh, the entire episode is kind of centered around, it is centered around a, de- a debate going on at the time in Toronto between direct current and alternating current power. With direct current being all Fuck Tesla. Look at that weirdo. Come trust our shit. Edison's dick is so big. And then as they... Honestly, both Edison and Tesla were giant assholes, so... Yeah, (laughs) and as they were test... And as they were, like, testing a... They were demoing how safe it was. Yes, they were demoing how... Oh, or wasn't it? What was it? Is they were either demoing how safe direct current. No, they was. were dim. They were demoing how dangerous Tesla's was. Yes, how That's di- what they yeah, were doing. Yeah, they had a dog in a cage, and then a woman that they was going to kill. Yeah, and then a woman was going to uh, like activate a circuit, which would then fry the dog because they fucking hooked up electricity directly into a metal cage with a dog in it. They're like, yes, this will show how alternating current is the problem, and not just electricity. <laughs> Ah, the 1900s. Wild time. <laughs> but yeah, so she goes flipping the switch, and then whoops the dips someone put some insulating rubber in there, so to close the circuit, it went through uh, her body. It was graphite. I remember the mystery. <laughs> like, someone, like, broke the insulation on the thing and put some graphite there to conduct the electricity through whoever flipped the, the switch. And, like, Tesla was a suspect because they were trying to make him look bad. Yeah. Yeah, I could just not get into the mystery. Like, literally the second... like, Right in the middle of the scene of him talking to Tesla is when I turn off the episode. Wow, okay. Um, that's actually a really interesting episode. The Like, the real the real problem with the first episode is it's very heavy-handed with the... Ha-ha! We've got future knowledge! Like, every episode after that, like, there's, like, little nods to the fact that he's a futurist and he thinks forward, but it's never just outright, hey, our main character can invent shit that didn't exist because fuck you, we know it's gonna exist after a little while. Yeah, like, 
like it, it's a problem with it's a problem with like a lot of people trying to do like Holmesian style stories because like when Arthur Conan Doyle or shit whatever like from what I understand in a lot of Sherlock Holmes stories oh they shit on Arthur Conan Doyle in this show by the way cool but like in in like home stories like Doyle kind of came up with a bunch of shit that ended up becoming like real police work yep he guessed things yes yeah, speculative fiction within a non-future based story you're just like yeah seeing how seeing how trends are going like cops could use this but my cop will use it first because he's awesome and that is 100% fine because that was written at the time like those were those were not like fucking period pieces or future shit. That was just that was just hey, this is a thing set in the time it is written. But then anything else that's like hey, let's look back at the past and then guffaw at how shitty they are, and then we'll put ourselves inserted oh, in there. We're so superior with our actual knowledge of the things that are happening. Why could they not have foreseen this? I say it's a bitch, and especially why, people who use it. Why couldn't the goddamn peasants pull out their phones and Google the answer? Cool. How could racism exist in a time where they genuinely only had the people who were right above them to tell them how to think? <laughs> oh. oh, that's actually one thing I really hate whenever you get a period piece. The, oh! I'm so forward thinking about my opinions on race, gender, sexuality, and the way a person should behave in public. I hate those people. I hate those people. Because it's just like, oh, yeah, you're so superior with your modern opinions on things. Yeah, tell us, how, tell us more about how you're superior, white man in the past. Because it's always the white guy. It's always the white guy. It is always the white guy. Yeah, because... To modern audiences, to modern audiences, a black guy being having an opinion about race—that's nothing new. But a white guy, oh, that's progressive. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and I. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just gonna say, full out. I did not give Murak Mysteries a fair shake. I. I just hit a point that I did not like and was just like, all right, turn this off. That was not a, this is not my opinion on the full show. This is not my thing of going like, hey, fuck. Fuck Murdoch Mysteries for this 15 minutes of a 45-minute episode I watched. This is me just saying, hey, that first episode did not hook me. The other thing that, the other thing that really bugged me about it is, well, it didn't really bug me. It just kind of was interesting to me, was how it the first episode of the series felt like the middle episode of a middle season. It did, didn't it? Yeah, there is no fucking setup. No introduction of anybody. It's just it's just Murdoch and a lady who I believe becomes important or is important. She is important until she gets written out of the show. Cool. Well, yeah, it's been going on for like nine years. People leave. But yeah, so they fucking just walk into the scene and are like, "Yes, Didn't we are." Did get canceled and then brought back? Fucking probably. Again, nine years. This this show fucking it remains. Oh, sorry. Uh, twelve years actually. Oh, again, apologies. 
it was called The Artful Detective on Ovation TV on the Ovation TV cable network in the States until season 12. It's been going on for 14 seasons. Over 200 episodes. Fuck me. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah, it is. Like a lot a lot. Yeah, like they just they just walk into a scene and then it's yes, these are the established characters that we know. You know Murdoch, you love Murdoch. Yannick Boson, he's great. I think that's his name. I don't know. I know it's Yannick. I know his first name is Yannick. Yeah, like even something like the fucking even like the librarians, which like the librarians had a this is my closest fucking contemporary because fucking I'm an idiot. The librarians had like had three movies of backstory and they still felt the need to set up the entire concept of the librarians again. Well, that's because the movies didn't do very well. Which is a shame because they're very good movies. They're very good. They are very modern Indiana Jones. Yes. And they like, are keep they are TV movies. Yes. And they're good. Like, I don't feel the need to qualify. You know what I mean? It's less, it's less qualification and more steady expectations. Because we say they are really good adventure movies, people... The budget shows in those movies. Like, they are... They are very good movies, but that is entirely due to storytelling and characters, as well as tone, and not so much how they look. They look. I honestly of, think they look pretty decent. They look pretty decent for TV movies. But, like, any special effects. It is. Ooh, it has been a while since I've seen those. We need to go back. Just at some point. What do you mean? At some point, you and me, just all those movies for the site. Oh, hell yeah. That would be fun. I might even be able to convince my wife to join. <laughs> she loves those movies. Oh, have fun figuring out how to bike two people. Ah, we'll just both sit in front of my mic and be like, all right, Dad, you fix it in post. <laughs> oh, f- fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you people are nightmares. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> But yeah, the when it like that is an issue with Murdoch mysteries is they don't really set anything up, but they have some great characters in the show beyond Murdoch because Murdoch never really grows beyond the well. Uh, I'm a Catholic and a genius, and uh, I am written like a person who was born in the eighties. Uh, yeah. Personality-wise, no, but knowledge-wise. <laughs> um, Entirely without that accent, because he's Canadian. Yeah. He acts like he has that accent, though. <laughs> like, he has this air of superiority about him. Yeah. But, like, they, there is a great bunch of characters around Murdoch. Uh, his assistant, Lieutenant Crabtree, is a lot of fun. He's just a really interesting guy who's really clever, and if he were with anyone other than Murdoch, he'd probably be one of the smarter people on the show. (laughs) 
So Murdoch is the weakest. Murdoch is the weakest element of Murdoch mysteries. (laughs) Oh yes, definitely. But because no, and one of the big things is because Murdoch is there. Anytime Crabtree's like, I have a clever idea. Murdoch's like, I had seven clever ideas before breakfast. Go away. It's like, oh, what's your clever idea? Oh, that one. That was that was idea number seven for me. I I realized that we could literally trace the path of a phone call, and we're going to call it tracing. That's moronic. No one will ever yeah. use that. Meanwhile, I've invented blacklight in the 1920s. <laughs> it's like, oh. Not even a joke. He does that. Tight. It's like, oh, cool. You lift. Oh, cool. You're able, you're able to lift a fingerprint imprint by using glue. That's neat. I invented the internet. Eat my ass, Crabtree. <laughs> you fucking but, scrub. Like, my. My personal favorite character in the show overall is um, the. Uh, you said her name already. The. The mortician. I didn't say her, her name. I mentioned her character. Oh well. I don't know her she name. Is, she is a great character who is dragged down by the fact that they felt they needed to write her as a love interest for Murdoch. <laughs> Yay. Uh, Julia but Ogden. My, yes, Doctor Ogden. My second favorite character is the captain, because he is very much that old-timey detective. I'm just going to punch the uh, crook until I get my information out of him, that <laughs> kind of person. And, like, he had, like one of my favorite things about him is he's like, yeah, this is the way things are done. Not really sure it's the way things should be done, but fuck it if it doesn't work. <laughs> There's yeah. an episode where they chase after the fucking, like pseudo jack the ripper ripper because every murder mystery in these times has to have a jack the ripper analog yes obviously i mean how can you have a mystery series set in a fucking pre-industrial era whatever and not have a jack the ripper that's just ridiculous but unlike most uh, stories set in this era it's not overwhelmingly depressing (laughs) which is why i don't watch most murder mysteries in this period they're overwhelmingly depressing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Most noir stuff is... Most mystery noir stuff is kind of ridiculously depressing. Yeah. But the 1920s, 30s, and, and like, up into, like, right at the edge of the 40s is my favorite period in, like, North American history because you've got the Temperance League, you've got rum running, you've got really the first evidence that outlawing a drug... It's probably the worst thing you want to do for crime, because then the criminals are just like, hey, we can make money off of this shit. Let's find ways to make it less safe so we can make more money off of it. Yeah. (laughs) If you like the period, but you don't like the uh, aesthetic of um, Murdoch, but you still want something that's fun, Phryne Fisher's Murder Mysteries, or Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Fisher spelled with a C-H. Okay, you've talked about Um, it on the show before. It's it's an absolute blast. The characters are a lot of fun. It's still got that 1920s, 1930s aesthetic. But Miss Fisher is not sitting there like, oh, I know what's going to happen tomorrow because I was written by a future writer. She was written by someone who's actually competent about writing intelligent people in the 20s and 30s. <laughs> and the actress who plays her is gorgeous. The characters are all fun. It's like if you if you like the idea of Murdoch mysteries, but not the but not the main character, check out Miss Fisher's murder mysteries. 
this is a really tough conversation for us because I'm also playing the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which has Sherlock Holmes in it. I am too. I'm currently playing it too. What case? Are you I on? hate Sherlock Holmes right now. Um, I'm on. The, I just started the third case. Okay. Like I'm literally walking into the courtroom. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Herlock doesn't get better. I've been told that he gets more tolerable. I, so you're just, I'm hopeful. You're just kind of inoculated to him. Okay. They start you with the worst possible impression and then slowly ease it back a bit. So he's still awful, but not as bad as he was right at the beginning. Yeah, I hated all of the assistants. Like the like first case, I was like, "Oh, this is great. I'm getting into it." I was then the second case, it was like, "Really, motherfucker? You're turning your back on me. You know what shit I've already gone through." Yeah, that was Fuck you. That is the worst Suzato will be the entire game. She gets infinitely better. Yeah, I've been told that, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, like literally from literally after that case. She got better for me about two-thirds of the way through that case. Yeah, but well, that case literally made me just keep repeatedly putting my Switch down, like, I can't play this. Yep. This is making me too angry. Yep, that drags. Ah, he's attorney. Mistake. Uh, one of my favorite games. That, we're not doing video games. We're talking about uh, movies and TV. Yes, we are. So let's move on. To, let's move on from uh, this to something way more in something way more stupid. So I watched Escape Room. Oh yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So to give you guys an idea, I watched that movie in theaters when it came out. <laughs> oh my sweet summer child. Yes. Oh yeah, I. So the trailers for the sequel have been making the rounds. Also note, yeah, the movie, Escape Room, Tournament of Champions. Which literally has the what are we, some kind of suicide squad line in it. Like, once I heard that, I was like, okay, either someone is in on it or they don't know. <laughs> because the character literally says to the camera, it's like... So what is this? Some kind of tournament of champions? And the second I saw that line, I was like, okay, I need to see this. And to see it, I need the context. Luckily, the first movie was on free on Netflix. Well, not free. It was on Netflix. I got to stop. It was available for watching. Yes. I have, to, I have to remove my mind. I have to like get it out of my mind, the idea that, like, oh, it's on the streaming service, so it is free. Because I'm paying a monthly fee for it. Because it's not free. I'm paying for it. Yeah, so Escape Room is fine. It's perfectly acceptable. It is okay. It is a real middle-of-the-road, not-awful, could-be-infinitely-better. Not hot, not exceptionally offensive, just it exists. Yeah, it has got, a, it has got interesting ideas that it never really capitalizes on. It is a movie that is too... It is a concept that is... It is a concept that is very easy to do boringly and somewhat difficult to do interestingly. And they did it boring. Yeah, so the basic idea like, is just... The rooms are actually really interesting, yeah, in the my rooms opinion. Are, the rooms are neat, and like, the way they actually solve the puzzles is neat, and that stuff's cool. It's just everything else. Like, you know, story and character. Yeah. 
So for those who haven't seen those escape, are things. Yeah. For those who haven't seen Escape Room, the movie is basically the title. Just a bunch of people get invited to an escape room. If you care about spoilers, you can click ahead some amount of time because I have no idea how long we're going to end up talking about this nonsense. Uh, if you care about spoilers, the movie came out two years ago. So listen to this whole thing, go watch the movie, then come back and listen so that you understand. Yeah, so the idea with it is, I believe it's six people? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, a student, a truck driver, a former soldier, a video game nerd, a high-powered executive, and a fucking stock boy. Pothead. Yeah, pothead. They all get a, they all get a thing in the mail. There's a little puzzle box. Well, not in the mail. They just, they just get a thing. Yeah, a, a, a oh god, a, a, a lament configuration is delivered to each of them. Yes, a puzzle cube. Um, and it is, with some of them, it is put. It, it has gone like, hey, so this is a gift from your boss. And other, other people, it's like, hey, this just showed up on your desk. And once they get into it, they get an invitation to try this escape room. And, like, watching them solve it, it looks pretty fucking easy. Yeah, it looks very easy, but also it... This honestly actually does kind of help set up a bit of character for the ones that we see, because we only see three of them. Mm-hmm. Like, there are six characters, and we see three of them to get the invitation. We see the high-powered business guy, the fucking university student, and the, and the pothead. And we see each of them solve the puzzle different ways, where, like, the fucking... The day trader, the day trader guy, he's like, he's like trying to brute force his way through it. Just like, yeah, I'll fucking solve this thing. The math student is like, you know, doing like calculations, just like, all right, I'm gonna solve this. And the, and the pothead, he's just hitting it with a fucking brick. I think he throws it against the wall, and that's what ultimately solves it. <laughs> yeah, which is a is an all right way of setting up characters, like in term in like terms like you know the escape room story. Is hey, give these guys a, give these guys a low risk puzzle and see how they solve it. Okay, let's go. But again, we only get half of them, which bugs me. Well, they were worried that people would realize how dumb the movie was if they actually spent enough time to give all of the characters character. <laughs> yeah, so all of them. Yeah, so all of them end up at this go to the go to the go to the place they're offered. Yeah, the thing is, I was like I said, invitation and a grand prize winning of ten thousand dollars should they clear all the rooms. They get there and then whoops the dups things are immediately underway as they try to leave and hey like, guess what the waiting room is the first room of the escape room. Yes, they get in there they go, try to talk to a person behind like the reception glass and it's like please have a seat we'll be with you shortly. And then they go and they go leave. Turns out the doorknob is an oven heater, which then immediately starts heating up the room. And like this first puzzle is like all all the puzzles are all the, the puzzles, puzzles are clever. Yeah, the puzzles are clever, and also like, all have the, exactly one solution. Yeah, like the puzzle, like everything about this is clever. Except for our character interactions. Yeah, which are just the like most... The writing of the characters is... Hi, I'm a cliched character. 
I exist as a cliché and have no further depth beyond the cliché that I have clichéd. Yeah, they are so down the middle of what you would expect for these kinds of characters. And, like, even... Even when they get to, like, the twists of, like, what's happening and, like, like oh, we fucking broke out of the game, we're solving it. That even doesn't feel super earned or interesting. Because they go through all these different... Because they go through all these different... I rooms. was cheering for... I was cheering when, like, it was like, oh, yeah, you did figure out a way around it. I thought you did. Ha ha. But, like, it wasn't like, yeah, woo, in the theater. It was like, I thought so. I feel good about you. And, like, that's that's the most reaction in this movie. Like, trying to figure out the puzzles, which were dumb as shit. Like, like the very last, like, the very last, like, not the last, last one. The one with, like, the trippy, like, room. Yeah, the drugs. That one sucked ass. Yeah, because it wasn't because it, was it wasn't just an escape room. Lame. It was just lame. It was just dull. Yeah, completely so, boring. Yes, yeah, so let's just go through all the all the escape rooms because I have got the list. Oh, great! So, first one, giant oven. The way to escape is put down four glasses of water into coaster holes on the table, which then opens a vent to lead into the next room. The next room being a winter cabin on top of a frozen lake. Yeah, I should say, like, they pretend this is all technology. It's basically b- 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 magic. Bullshit. It's magic. These this rooms set, are magic. This is set up by wizards. Like, Wizards of the Coast set up this shit, because there's no fucking way this was done in the real world. Yeah, so... Unless literal trillions have been devoted... Only to setting up the coolest escape rooms. And then why are they not just selling them to the public? People would literally kill for these rooms. Because they have plot machinations. And I don't, someone doesn't die in every room, right? Um, no one dies in the first room, but from the second room on, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so second room, winter cabin, frozen lake. Uh, as they get out there, the, the, the AC activates and it starts getting colder. Uh, they get a fucking key from the bottom of the lake with a fishing rod, uh, and then have to use their own body heat to try to melt the ice that the key is in, in order to get out. They're in a forested area, by the way, people. Yep. Uh, the gamer falls through the ice and, dr- and dies. Uh, next up is a is a billiards bar where the entire thing is upside down. And if they touch the floor, panels fall away. Well, well the pa- touch the ceiling. Well, the, the panels are falling away at timed intervals. Yeah, it's it, but but in order but in order to make it so that they so they don't have the risk of falling, they are all clambering on top of like fucking record shelves and the bar and shit. Uh, which this all leads to them using pool balls. I like I think pool balls and like pool balls and records to like activate a fucking to, like open up a safe behind the bar to get like a get, like a door handle to open up the door to go to the next room. Yeah, uh, and this is a this is one thing that they do really poorly. They set up backstory for some of these characters. Yeah, that we never get. Yep. Well, we, like we get we get it for some of them. Yeah, but like we actually we actually get like, some of it in the next we actually get some of it in the next room. Yeah, but gi- you you hinting at that depth. Give it to us. Like give the first off, give the characters more time in the rooms. Like. Actually, because the frostbite room was not cold enough to actually quickly kill anyone. Yeah, it was just kind of annoying. Like, the fire room, 
okay, that's fine. The Frostbite Room was not there, like, they were not there long enough to actually be in danger. Yeah, like, the... Give us more time with the fucking characters. Like, honestly, the only reason the video game nerd felt, the video game nerd died in that room was because of, was because of plot contrivance. Like, he was walking, and then the fucking frozen lake exploded directly under him. Which point he fell in and died. Not immediately, though. Like, he... There, there was a strong current, so he was swept away from the hole, couldn't, fi- couldn't find his way back to it. Drowned. Then, in the billiards room, uh, war vet, she fucking falls, dies. Which is weird that she wasn't one of the, like, focused characters, because she was the one the marketing was surrounding. Yeah! Because it was Deborah Ann Wall. Like... I actually thought she was going to die in the first room. I thought they were going to, like, um, scream us. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. What I mean? yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, that's what yeah. my, you my, thought my she, You thought was like, she was oh, Drew Barrymore. She's die fast. And then she didn't. So I was like, oh, I guess she's important. And then I turned out Nerd no. Girl was important. Nope. Not important. Okay. Oh, okay. Nerd, Nerd Girl's important. Nice. Oh, uh, yeah. So the next up to go to a hospital room where each, where there are six hospital setups there that are all that are all like set up to reference each of these characters past because hey shock of shocks it turns out the reason these six were chosen was because they were all sole survivors of tragic accidents and like it's at this point that we should state like one of the major bad guys throughout the film is the like claims adjuster guy yeah the stockbroker the day like he is so aggressive and just like he is willing to murder people to win. Yeah. Like and in this room, he's responsible for one of our bodies. Yep, directly. Yeah, because in order to get out of this room, they need to fucking like drop someone's heart rate down to zero. While hook up with the instinct was spike the heart rate. Yeah, spike the heart rate. That didn't work. Okay, let's fucking stop his heart. Stop his heart thing. I have a defibrillator. Because again, hospital. What did they choose to stop his heart, or did he just like have a heart attack and die? They chose to stop his heart. Yeah, man. And this yeah. is one of those. This is stupid moments. Yeah, so they choose to stop his heart, and yeah, at that point we learn that they are all sole survivors, at which point the bigger plot is, I guess, revealed, where this organization that's setting up these fucking rooms is doing it specifically to test sole survivors, to try to find dot, dot, dot. That's the hook of this entire franchise, because it is now a franchise. It is, why is this organization, and why is the Game I, I Master... I should state, at the ending, they imply that they're going to have a sequel, and Birdie was like, this movie's not getting a sequel. And I'm like, this movie's getting a sequel, and we're watching it. It is getting a... <laughs> yeah. Like, just for reference, this movie was made at a $9 million budget. It made $156 million. It did, it did well. Like, it, it's, 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 it's going to be successful for the same reason that slasher movies are successful. It needs to get so few watchers... To actually make its budget back. Yeah. And here's the thing. It came out in January. Yeah. This was a dumping ground movie. This was good for January. Yeah. This was amazing for January. This movie and... was great in January. Oof. 
because January. Whew. Oh man, what was it? The Trials of Hercules. <laughs> so, for, one of the Hercules so, movies. So those of you who don't know, Birdie and I have a tradition. We skipped it this year, but we normally go to see a dumping ground movie every January. And we do this because we hate ourselves. I mean, because we enjoy watching bad movies. And this was one of our dumping grounds. And I came out of it like, that was genuinely decent. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real weird. It's shockingly good for what you'd expect. That doesn't make it good. Just shockingly yeah. good. It is, it is, it, is an, it exceeds the expectations of a bad January movie. But yeah, so as... Yeah, so they kill the trucker uh, in this room to stop his heart and then try to restart it again, but whoops, don't work. Uh, and the timer in this one is they have to get out of here, otherwise poison gas will release and they'll all die. When you kill people, they die. Yeah, at this point, though, um, University Girl is like, hey, I've decided to be a protagonist now. <laughs> Smashes the cameras in the room and then ends up setting up a setting up one of those like oxygen masks uh to an oxygen supply so she can breathe in the poison gas so when the people come to fucking check the body she can hop up and murk somebody yeah use her fucking five foot nothing frame to take out two men armed with machine guns <laughs> with a stick she does she succeeds she succeeds she does yeah so she gets out and she is now out of, the, and she is now out of the game and beyond the veil of this fucking corporation of wizards of the coast. Yeah, well, they're not this evil. <laughs> they're also not this competent. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, they're also not this, some of their releases. They're also not this competent. I mean, have you seen? Okay, ha, I mean, I'll ha, give you that. I'll have you, you that. seen the foiling issue? No, I've not seen the. Fo oh, are you talking about a magic? Yeah. Yes, in Magic the Gathering, yeah. foil cards always bend. Yep. Always, no matter how much you pay for them. Uh, but yes, yeah, so then, we, then we get into the worst room in the fucking movie. Where it is it is black-white checkerboard pattern with a static TV. So, just, if you, if you are operating without the extended knowledge of the movie, as far as we know, we have two survivors at this point. Yes. Slacker and Stockbroker. Yes, Slacker and Stockbroker enter this, enter this fucking... Tim Burton world. Uh, go to open it up a hatch. the ugliest room and, like, the ugliest puzzle in the movie. Yes, go to open up a hatch, which turns out is... Turns out the fucking hatch is lined with a topical narcotic that causes, like, highness and hallucinations and also will kill you. Yep. And they they couldn't figure out how to make the final puzzle interesting, so they made magic drugs. Uh, yep. This sounds like something I'd write at 3 a.m. the night before I have to run a session. Speaking of which, guys, you should be looking forward to uh, Cursed Destiny getting posted soon. Welcome to die. Um, at 3 a.m., knowing I have to run a session the next day, and I've got such a powerful head cold that I just finished off a bottle of NyQuil. Okay? That is, like, the quality of brain power it would take me to write a puzzle this bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they have. It's not like this movie has a history of using, you know, gas. Like it's, th it's puff them with like they they go and grab the wheel, puff them when they grab the wheel. 
yeah, open the hatch and then blams, get fucking like a gas grenade. Or fuck. And yes, there are topical drugs that you can apply that can cause effects over hours. Yeah, not immediately. From your hand. Fucking nonsense. Like, fuck, have it be some weird, like, time release. Like, this is this is goddamn dumb bullshit. It's like, hey, as you've been going through the rooms, you've been getting you've been getting slowly exposed to a higher and higher dosage of this drug that will now take effect in this room. Guess the fuck what? It's dumb bullshit. Oh, they couldn't do that because that would have killed the girl. Okay, fair. <laughs> okay, the fucking going to, walking down the hallway to go to the next go to this room. Yeah. Fuck the room itself is just coated in this shit, filled with the gas. Yeah. These motherfuckers are dramatic. You walk through the fog and end up in TV world. And then whoops it ups turns out that fog was made of goddamn LSD and cyanide. Fuck you. Hello, kitten. Did you get banished? <laughs> Got banished into the recording room. She likes to attack my wife's legs while she's listening to music, so. Hmm. Yeah, your cat would hate me. I'm never not listening to music. Even right now, you can't hear it because the channel's been run through. <laughs> but man, like, I told her to drop like two new tracks yesterday, and that album's coming out like next month. None of this means anything to me, audience. <laughs> I don't listen to music. None of it will mean anything to them either. I do not know how much of our audience is into Swancore. <laughs> into what? Swancore. A style of post hardcore music that is heavily inspired by Will Swan of Dance Gavin Dance. I was. Cat, stop it. <laughs> I started talking about music and your cat started getting mad. She did. She, I don't think... I, she likes it when music is just playing in the room, but... She doesn't, she doesn't like insufferable nerds talking anyway, about it. Back to the most insufferable room in the puzzle. Yeah. So Stoner wins. Well, how does he win? Because this is the best part. Like I actually don't remember. He just, like, like he's fighting over, like, the cure and accidentally kills the guy. If I yeah, remember oh, correctly. Oh, right, yeah, he just fucking, like, like, trips the guy and he like, his head off the hatch. It's completely accidental. Ends up curing himself and then moving on to the next room. Yeah. Which, fuck the next room's puzzle. Yeah, the next room's like, puzzle is the first puzzle of the game because this movie starts out in media's res. Like, this this entire room is the first thing we see before the actual, like, getting the puzzle boxes. Because it's got to hook you in with, oh, there's an escape room puzzles, but it's deadly. But yeah, he goes to solve the puzzle. Kind of can't and hides in a hole. And wins because they didn't foresee him fitting in the fireplace. Yep. I don't know, man. Man, then we get to the end, and whoopsie doops, turns out fucking Survivor, turns out college girl is alive. Woo! And they take out the fucking puzzle maker. Big guy. Yeah, they take out the puzzle. Like, does he ever get a name? Puzzle boy. The puzzler. They take out Puzzleman. And then they get to live, and woo, and they're away. But turns out. No, it's they improved their lives. They're able to function in normal society as, like, real people and get, like, respectable jobs, even though, fuck you, if you don't have a bag, boy, who's gonna put your bags away, rich bitch? 
Yep, it's like... It's like Saw. His methods work every time. Yeah. A fifth of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, my methods have never failed to rehabilitate someone. Immediately cut back. Immediately cut to the flashback of his first victim. It's like, hey, fuck you, dude. If shit didn't work, I'm gonna throw myself into these goddamn razor wire. Eat my ass. Oh, fucking saw. I honestly wish Spiral had been more of a thing. Hmm. Instead of just the kind of nothing it was. So, Escape Room. Honestly, do you think it's worth watching? Uh... Like, we've just been poo-pooing on it for, like, the last, like, five minutes. Do you think Escape Room is worth watching? I honestly don't know. Like, it's it's decent background. Like, if you're doing something more interesting but you need background noise, Escape Room can be alright. I don't think it, it, it... It is a very middling movie. It doesn't do anything offensively bad... And the puzzle rooms are mostly interesting. It's just a lot of kind of missed potential. And I and I don't feel like it's bad enough to enjoy drunk with your buddies. I think it's just good enough to be worth watching. Like it like there is a certain bar that you have to come above to be just good enough to worth watching. And it like it's like it snuck a pinky. Up there, yeah, just bare minimum. It snuck a pinky, and it's like it's just it just reached that level, just barely. It's like you needed a you needed a D minus to keep going in class, and you just barely got a D. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like that's what it got. It's like it just passed. Worth the qualifier for the long jump. In order to qualify, you need to, you need to hit ten meters, and an escape room, ten point one. <laughs> All right, escape room is qualified to be watchable. <laughs> Some of the characters are interesting. I actually look forward to Tournament of Champions because I want to actually get more about the characters. I doubt I will. Yeah, but I actually expect our main characters to be the first two bodies. Um, yeah, because like that's the thing. Going into escape room, going into Tournament of Champions. I mean, we're with a whole new we're with a whole new fucking like cast of six characters, except for our fucking two guys who survived this thing. So then it's either going to be, it's either going to be, it's going to be four bodies with two characters, or it's going to be four almost characters with two bodies. Yeah, and I expect the latter. <laughs> I want the former, at the very minimum, but I expect the latter. <sighs> yeah. I expect it to be like, you built an attachment to these characters because they're our previous champions. No, we didn't. Guess what, fucker? And now, watch them die horrifically to introduce you to the new characters. That's exactly what we expected. <laughs> Our new cast of six champions. How can we know they're champions when we didn't see their movies? And their epic backstories that you're not going to tell us. Yeah, but it's kind of like, I honestly can't think of anything other to do with these fucking guys than just go into, hey, it's escape room, but more. Because, like, what are you going to do? Like, like, they're kind of fucked either way, because they either go into the sequel having an entirely new cast of characters to then set up the Tournament of Champions. Or they just go straight to the Tournament of Champions because they're probably not going to get a third movie. Mm, no, they're going to they're gonna get a third movie. <laughs> like, okay, so here's movie, the thing. 
Here's your th- this movie's going to franchise. So, so do you think? So, what, what do you think is a better chance? Of the, what, what do you think is a better chance of they're getting a third movie or a sixth movie? I don't think that they have enough meat right now to get a sixth movie. I know that they're going to be able to get a third movie because they're confident enough in this movie to be releasing it like September. <laughs> Which is not dumping ground territory at all. Oh, it's already out. Oh, it's out? Okay. Yeah, so they're can... releasing it in August. Like, this is uh, like... July. All right, this is the last chance. Okay, this is one of the last chances for the kiddies to see an action blockbuster. Come watch Escape Room. It's like, they had to be confident in the fact that this would make enough money. Which means they'll be confident in a third movie. I still haven't seen Tournament Champions, so I don't know if Tournament Champions is good enough uh, to get a sixth movie. On a budget of $15 million, it made $34 million. Ugh. It just made its money back. It's going to get a third movie. I'm not giving it a sixth. They might be able to squeeze a sixth out of the third movie, but I'm, I'm saying third is where their limit is. Yeah, but uh, looking at uh, review scores... It is about what we expected. <laughs> oh, lovely. Just fucking lovely. Yep. Anyway, uh, moving on to the next movie I watched, the uh, fucking taking a sharp turn, both in terms of quality and style of movie. Uh, the Mitchells vs. the Machines. That movie was so good. It is so fucking good! so good especially like like as someone who knows people who suffer from autism and as someone who's kind of in that same area of mindset like it's really nice to see the rep- representation yeah it was it was cool it was really fucking good it was a lot of fun it's really weird that like some fucking sony pictures animation the folks that made the smurfs movies have released two like kind of groundbreaking animated films with this and Spider-Verse. Oh my god, you're right. I know, right? Like, in terms of like, in terms of storytelling, not exactly, not exactly groundbreaking, they're just doing like they're doing traditional stories, just doing them very well. But the thing yeah, that's this kind is of, definitely groundbreaking for those fuckers, though. But it's groundbreaking for the animation style, because like, they are always, like, with both these movies, they found a way to take... I love animation. how like they have like they they're showing the way her brain works by having her literally editing the background. Yeah, editing the background with like <laughs> all these the like movie. all these like insane cartoon drawings, and like and like having these characters. Th- th- this entire world exists in this like this really neat like middle ground between like the three D and the two D, because like all of the characters and stuff are three D, but they are all designed to they're all designed with like two D stuff in mind to me, and all the trees and fucking shit are two D. I refused to watch this movie for months. And then my wife was like, I really want to watch The Mitchells versus The Machines. And I was like, fine. I have now watched it three times. Why did you refuse to watch it? It just, it looked like another one of those, hey, let's package some shit together and see if it'll sell movies. Like, I never saw a good trailer for it. Ever. And I, like, all of the trailers were just like the cringiest, weirdest scenes. And, like, on their own, they were not fun. But in the whole movie, I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. I am loving every bit of this. Yeah. Dog, pig, bread. Dog, pig, bread. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. They, turns out they got an actual dog to voice that dog. Oh, that's cute. 
Yeah, I thought they would have gotten the like little Mister. I would have thought they, I thought they would have gotten like D. Bradley Baker or like like fucking. So many movies are doing Frank Welker. That. So many movies are doing that. I well, yeah, because he's good. They're both good at it. It just like, why are you getting someone like famous to voice an animal? Because they are famous for voicing animals. Uh, I suppose. Like, you could like yeah. You, you, I've heard of D. Bradley break D. Uh, I've heard of both of them doing things other than animals, though. Yes, yes, they do. But both of them are also so fucking good at doing animals. Like, why would you run the risk of working with an actual animal in a vocal booth? We we do is get a guy. I suppose you're right. It's like all right. I mean, all I right. do. I do. Like, I do love the dog's like final moment of victory when he finally looks forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for good. those. We don't know. Uninitiated. <laughs> yeah. Missile vs. the Machines uh, is a movie. Um, it is a... The setup of it is it is a traditional, like, wacky road family comedy, but in the middle of a robot apocalypse. Basically, iOS was sentient, got thrown away, and was like, oh, okay, fuck you. I'm taking this bitch over. And then released an army of robots, because the next update for Siri was a robot. Which, you know, that tracks. Like, it's a matter of fucking time before someone's going to be like, hey, guess what? We're selling robots. And trust me, they won't turn evil. Wink. But yeah, it... The story is The story is very much just a traditional family road comedy. It is two characters misunderstood... Two characters... It's like, oh, my dad doesn't understand me. Oh, I don't understand my daughter anymore. And then by the end of it, I understand you, dad and daughter. Like, that's fucking nothing new. It just does it with such a... It just does that story very well and does it with such madcap energy. Because everything we're seeing in the movie is filtered through the mind of a person who is trying to become a film student through YouTube. <laughs> Like, they made a bunch of short films with their fucking dog as Dog Cop. Dog Cop is great comedy. Yeah. Uh, submitted all that shit to film school. Got in. And then everything is kind of filtered through that lens that is set up right at the beginning of the movie. Where we see her style of filmmaking, which is a lot of uh, green screens and crayon drawings. And then that is kind of the aesthetic of her view on the world throughout the rest of the movie. And it all works really fucking well. It gives it gives the gives the movie this like really amazing energy to it and this character that it would not have otherwise. Like this movie lives and dies by its animation and its like joke delivery. Everything else in it, everything else in it is so standard. And yeah, it does it so fucking well. And it also it also actually avoids some of the tropes that I was a bit worried about going into this because it because like the main conflict with the movie is father doesn't understand the daughter 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 doesn't understand the dad daughter is like quirky yeah, I'm a film student well and the dad's like I don't know what a computer is I was born in the 1820s I gave my family screwdrivers which is plot relevant. <laughs> Yeah, they're plot-relevant screwdrivers. They are a uh, 
Chekhov's gun. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's the main conflict with the family. But then, like, the mom has this entire other storyline where she is, where she is, like, constantly comparing her family to, like, this Instagram perfect family. Mm-hmm. Which is fucking perfect. If for, like, you know, modern day mom problems. And the little brother, and there's a little brother, and the thing I was worried about the most was him, because I was near convinced going into this, this was going to be, that one of the threats going through this was, like, oh, me and my big sister don't get along anymore, because I'm weird, and she's trying to grow up, but I want to, but I just want to be bros with her. And then by the end of it, it's like, yes, we are bros still. But no. That has not changed. From <laughs> jump, from fucking jump, these two are on the same goddamn page. They are the best of fucking friends, and I goddamn love it it is so fucking rare that we get a fucking movie with siblings with an age gap between them and they and they aren't at each other's throats the entire time it's just these two are these two feel like real siblings and these two feel like real siblings that they do get on each other's nerves sometimes but they also just straight up will love each other no matter what like they even have a fucking like like dinosaur themed like fist bump Mm mm-hmm because the little brother is obsessed yeah, with dinosaurs. Adorable. The little brother is adorable, honestly. Yeah, he's like, great. His obsession with dinosaurs is great. The fact that he just leaps out of windows yeah. for some reason. Well, he, he gets he gets nervous and doesn't know how to respond to things, so he leaps out of windows. <laughs> I get that. Like, he would not have a real window if I was his father. <laughs> like, his, like, his bedroom window would be wax paper. That his, would be what he gets. His bedroom window would be a doggy door. Because, like, wax paper, that shit rips you need to replace it. Doggy door. Doggy door lasts. See, the big thing is, with wax paper, I don't give a shit if I have to replace it. I just have to stretch a new panel over it. I'd... Have you seen the price of wax paper lately? Yes, I've just bought some. It's not that expensive. <laughs> is it expensive in Canada for some reason? One roll of it isn't, but having to buy multiples when the rolls run out. Eh. Like you, you gotta you gotta replace the doggy door like once every couple of years, unless the kid breaks his face on it. Yeah, that's why you get one of those. I like, mean, he is launching. Yeah, that, that's that's why you get one of those like flexible plastic ones. Eh. But yeah, like one one of his one of the early scenes, like kind of explaining his character is just him with a phone book, just calling random people. Hey, want to talk to me about dinosaurs? Okay, bye. Talk to me about dinosaurs. Okay, bye. There was a uh, there was a meme that my wife showed me that was him asking Lady Dim- Dimitrescu from the Resident Evil game, <laughs> and she was like, "Yes, I would." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course. Everyone loves Vampire Mom. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, and funny thing, uh, that kid voiced by the director. Yeah, cool. Mike. Yeah, Mike Rianda. He voiced this character. He voiced the brother. He voiced the brother. And the other two kind of really great characters in this are um, Eric and Deborah Bot Five Thousand. Because pretty early on in the movie, like as the robot apocalypse is kind of going underway, two of the robots get damaged and end up separating them. End up kind of being separated from the uh, from like Mass the mur- conscious. Yeah, from the murderous hole of the PAL system, which is what's what's called called PAL. And 
they kind of like fall back onto their like, hey, we are here to help people mode. But also are like gaining sentience and are like, hey, are we? Can we be people? Which that I wish was a bit not explored more, more but like explored. Not explored more, but just like more acknowledged. Yeah. Because I get to the end of the movie they're, and... They're kind of just side characters to the family. Like, they never really get more development. Yeah, you get to the end of the movie and, and like, the fucking mom was like, hey, take a picture of us because she wants to fucking do a grand old post, but then the post gets fucked up because something explodes. Which is on par for them. But she asked them to take it and not like, hey, you want to be in the photo too? Be- and then, and then like, at the very end, when, like, a, like a mid credit scene or something... The two of them are just, like, carrying their shit around the house. Mm-hmm. So basically, took these robots, they develop sentience, be- develop sentience and, like, a sense of self and a part and a point in the family, and then became what they were already sell- sold to be. Which isn't great for them. And that's honestly my only real issue with the movie. And it's not even a real issue, it's just a nitpick. This movie is fucking great. Like, it is... It, it does, is absolutely marvelous. It does so well presenting this family in a, as a whole, presenting this uh, like world in like the super, the super beautiful fucking way. Like the animation is fucking gorgeous. Like even outside of like the like the like the hand drawn stuff, a lot of the robot shit just looks fucking spectacular. Like desktop background shit. Like the fucking like 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 the horizon shot of the fucking like spaceship made of all the made up of all the people. Just this, like, incandescent, like, neon blue-green glow across the entire fucking landscape as this family just standing in the foreground. Like, th- like this floating evil rhombus. Just looks great. Looks fucking great. This movie looks, This movie is fucking great. I cannot say enough good things about this movie. Please check out this movie. Please watch Mitchells vs. the Machines. It's on Netflix. It is worth the watch. Like... Escape Room, barely worth the watch. Mitchell's, well worth the watch. Yeah, see it. Do it now, please. Get so this good. movie, get this movie, like, more attention. I don't think it wants a sequel. No, do, but do it not get, deserves more Do attention. not give this movie a sequel, for the love of God. Anything other than, anything after this will be diminishing returns by, like, exponential degrees. Because, like, what the fuck would a sequel to this be? Oh, no, a different robot robot apocalypse started. And now we have to solve our family problems again. Like, everyone is at a good place. They just... Let characters be happy, Hollywood, you fuckers. (laughs) Pieces of goddamn dog shit. Oh, wait, wait, we already mentioned the dog. Yeah, the dog's a great, great, just, like, like, he just makes everybody happy. Yes, Manji is his name. He is a, he's, he's, he's either a pug or a loaf of bread. Or a pig. Yep, one of those three. Porque no los tres. <laughs> Man, I, I love this fucking movie. I love it, I love it. It's a great movie. If I had more time, if I had, if I had, if I had a thought to write down anything, I might have had more articulate thoughts. 
but it's just so good. It's fantastic. Hmm. I like watching good movies. Yeah, it's always it's always a nice way to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Uh, speaking of kind of making myself feel better, um, Stargirl came back. Second season I of Stargirl. I need to catch up on that. I very much enjoyed the first season. It was a bit rough in the beginning, especially with our main character yeah, being that's who she one was. one of the reasons why I'm having trouble getting through it. <laughs> but she had a fucking character arc, and she developed, and she got better. And then they like had a decent, they, they had like a fun thing with the fucking main bad guys. Uh, again, this is a Greg Berlanti show, so they are all very cool with murder. Like, a ten-year-old runs a man over with a truck, and everyone's cool with it. Is like, him killing a man is literally a joke? I don't know. But yeah, and so we get into the second season, which is called Summer School. Because, hey, guess what? Being a superhero doesn't exactly leave a lot of time for studying when you're a teenager. Yep. And so Courtney has failed two classes and has to go to summer school. Which, hey, that's a thing that I don't know if I've seen before. You want to know something that's kind of depressing? What's that? Every school that I, every high school that I went to, if you failed, you just got kicked out of the school. There was no summer school option for me with any of the schools I went to. Wow, that is... Yeah. That's rough. Now, I went to schools that were all like, well, if you're smart enough to be here, you have to maintain a certain um, grade point average. Oh, fuck that. Fuck you. Yeah. Is that what that, was that a charter school? Is that what those are? Yeah. Okay. I went to, I went to expensive nerd schools. I don't all think we... Oh, they were all public schools, but like it was like like most of the students there were like what like reasonably well off or really smart ah i didn't i went to first i went to catholic school for six years well eight years if you count kindergarten uh and then left into left into public school and from there was just kind of sailing See, I anything that wasn't English, because English always fucked me. I do not know why. I was, ne- I was just never able to get what the point of the class was. For me, it was to get an easy A. <laughs> because, like, anything that English could teach you, you learn by third grade English. Everything else after that is entirely subjective shit the teacher is teaching as objective. Good teachers don't teach it as objective, but sadly I'm not here to educate teachers on how to be better teachers. I'm here yeah. to talk about... We need Birdie we on the show for that. Stargirl. We were talking about Stargirl. Yeah. So yeah, after the end of this first season, um, well, I, can't, I guess I can't really talk about it because it spoils everything. Do you? I don't care about spoilers. Okay. So hey, the first season they won. Um... Big things that came out of that. Um, Yolanda, Wildcat, uh, slit Brainwave's throat and watched him die. Damn. And uh, Our Man uh, let Grundy survive because he realized Grundy was just a wild animal with no real 
drive of his own, and killing him would do nothing but satisfy his own need for revenge. Okay. Also, the also the glasses got blowed up. The goggles, like the Doctor Midnight goggles. Interesting. Yeah. And then Courtney was like, "Hey, I've figured out who I am. I'm Star Girl." And also, the old Star Man, he's alive. Oh shit. So we get into season two, and it is uh, Stargirl flying around the city with Justice League, with Justice Society, sorry, uh, trying to find crime to fight. But because they blew up the Injustice Society, there's not really crime here anymore. At least not super villainable crime. As Courtney's just like, hey, I need to do this. We need to fucking get going. The staff is still, the staff is still working, so that means evil is still happening. But everyone else is like, Bruh, I, I want to sleep. It is it is three a.m. on a Tuesday. Uh, and so Yolanda is currently going through tremendous amounts of PTSD after after murdering a man and watching him die. Which is the first time that a Berlanti show has shown PTSD for murder. Which I'm going to About take. Time. Which, yeah, which I'm going to take as improvement. Because I mentioned this about Berlanti before to Birdie. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show. Berlanti has an intense problem of having his characters be physically menacing and murderers. Like, I don't know if you've watched any of Superman and Lois, Cave. I watched, like, a little bit of it. Or, or you're not talking about the original, are you? No, I mean the or, new one. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the new one. Okay, I would recommend it. It is a very good show. Uh, Tyler Hecklin and Elizabeth Tillich are both like near pitch perfect Lois and Clark and having the show be about two parents trying to parent two teenage boys while one of them has severe anxiety disorder is really neat Hmm. Uh, but like yeah there are multiple parts in that show where Superman looks like how Superman looked in Luther the Brian Azzarello comic, written from the point of view of Lex Luthor. Hmm. Where Superman looks like a fucking monster. Let me see if I can find a picture of this. Because it is... He looks fucking terrifying in Luthor. Just constantly, just constantly like, flying above him. Like, heavily shadowed over the eyes, but always glowing bright red with heat vision. Ready to fucking just melt everybody. You mean that's not how everyone sees Superman all the time? Yeah, no. Nah. Normally he's like a chill dude. Like, yeah, this is a cover, but it follows the same kind of idea of how Superman is portrayed in this book. Damn. It's like Bizarro, only not Bizarro. Yeah. And it's like Bizarro with Superman's normal color palette. That's what it is. Yeah, and Superman looks like that for a non-zero amount of this show. Despite him being still the golly gee willikers fucking Great Caesars ghosts motherfucker that we all know and love. He is very much Clark Kent. It's just Superman is too threatening. Like Superman can be threatening when he needs to be, but he's not always fighting the elite. 
He's not always going to the superkick party. That is a wrestling joke. And a comic book joke. Haha. It's a twofer. But yeah, so with this season, uh, yeah, so Courtney failed classes, and so she has to go to summer school while still while still obsessively going over every JSA file about every villain they've ever fought, trying to find someone to fight. Um, damn, that is actually kind of dark. Yeah, Yolanda is going through again tremendous amounts of PTSD. Uh, Beth, the Doctor Midnight, has not only found out that her parents are divorcing. But also, the Chuck AI boots back up and does not remember who Beth is. So, you know, that's another person abandoning her for, uh, from her perspective. And then meanwhile, Rick has found out that Grundy is living in the woods by his house, so he leaves him buckets of chicken. You know, like, a, you know, like an outdoor cat. Uh, and the whole, it seems to be like the whole uh, like thrust for this season is going to be two main villains, which are The Shade and Eclipso. That seems to be our two big threats based on the trailers. Uh, with Eclipso working through, uh, I can't remember her full name, but her name's Cindy. Uh, she is the daughter of the Dragon King from the first season. There's like the head bitch at the high school. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, so she is working with Eclipso and trying to set up uh, Injustice Unlimited, which is just, which is just you know the legacy version of the Injustice Society. Which her main kind of goals with that are Artemis, daughter of Sportsmaster and Tigress, uh, the kid with the tuba, who was the daughter of the who was the daughter of the principal who was part of the Injustice Society, and then Icicle Junior. High school's kid, you know. And also, for reasons that we will presumably get into later, um, fucking Pat's kid, Courtney's brother. Somehow Eclipse will be involved in that. I'm interested to see where this goes. Oh, also, at the end of the episode, um, Green Lantern's daughter showed up. Yay! Yeah, so this seems to just be building out more of the Justice Society and building out a new threat for them to fight on top of the, sh the Shade returning. Which I'm fucking down for. Like, I, I like legacy characters, and, like, they're gonna, be, they're gonna be bringing in fucking... The, they're gonna be bringing in fucking Thunderbolt the Genie? Like, I saw... I don't know who that is. Uh, Thunderbolt the Genie is, uh... He is the, uh... He is a genie living inside of a pen used by both Johnny Thunder and JJ Thunder. Uh, members of the society, uh, they would say, say you, and then, th then a fucking magical genie made of lightning would fly out of their pen and fight crime for them. The fuck? Never yep. mind. <laughs> they, so here's the thing. They've actually been teasing JJ Thunder since the first season. Which is really cool. You know, just when I think I know everything about comics... You will never know everything about comics. or Birdie or one of my other friends will just say something esoteric and it'll make me go, The fuck did you just say? Yep. Yep, that tracks. Yes, like in the first season, um, the little brother, I can't remember his fucking name for the life of me. I think it's Mike. Like He mentions his friend, Jakeem. Because JJ is... JJ stand JJ like part of that is Jakeem. 
because old Johnny Thunder was like an old fucking like 1940s white man, and then Jakeem is a 1990s black teenager. They both got the pen. They married the genie, and I like that. I like the idea of the genie. I like 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 I like all of this, man. This is all just what I'm fucking here for. I'm man. very curious about all of this. Like I'm looking forward to getting past the part of where I hate the main character utterly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say this in this in this first episode, she has kind of relapsed a bit, like not super hard. She just is still very much going down the path of, like, Stargirl is my destiny. I need to do Stargirl. If I'm not doing Stargirl, you should be asking where Stargirl. But it's not as bad, I don't think, because, like, I I got that character arc, and I know that this is this can pass, I guess. I mentioned Xena where all this goes. Oh, also, uh, Sylvester Pendleton, I believe, is, Pendleton, I believe his name's Starman. He's out looking for Pat and has tracked down Pat's ex-wife. Because Pat had an ex-wife. Oh, yay. Yeah, I... I was a bit worried going into this that, like, the budget would hit the show pretty hard because this is moving from the DC Universe app, which is dead, to the CW. And with that, I'm pretty sure comes a pretty substantial budget budget cut. And you can kind of see that. Like, the staff isn't in it for a whole lot. They don't do a whole lot of, like, big superhero stuff in this until the very end. But it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel like a super downgrade yet. And it doesn't feel like they are going to be... At least so far. It doesn't seem like they're going to be, like, skimping on superhero stuff. Like they are in some other shows. Like, the times in which... The times in Legends of Tomorrow where, like, Steel actually steals up are very few and far between. Like, they got him out there, gave him the steel powers, and they're like, all right, cool. He has those. Don't ask about him. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, I got to so like say, like, the fight choreography is still great. Like, the final fight between uh, Jade and Stargirl is awesome in this episode. Like, it's great. I don't know if they, like, kept on the same stunt team, but the people making this still fully understand how to like fully utilize a fight where one of the members of the fight is a sentient stick like there's there's so much really cool shit of like of, like her just like flipping around on the stick and the stick attacking independently of her as she's also attacking and like them doing like combo moves where she like fucking kicks just, like, kicks Jade and then Jade like bounces the back of her head off the stick that's floating behind her it's all really neat I really like they are using every part of the buffalo for these fight scenes with Stargirl. And it's great. I love Stargirl. Uh, and then finally, last thing we're going to be talking about, uh, Motherland Fort Salem. This is a weird one. It is a, it is a freeform, aka ABC, AKA ABC Family Show, that I don't believe is based off of anything. Let me just double check that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's not based off anything. Uh, about a alternate history, modern day America, where during the Salem witch trials, the witches, who turned to be real, instead of being burned, signed a deal with the then fledgling government to be a part of their military. 
Interesting. Yeah, and so the military is largely made up of witches. And I will say this, witches is a generic term for all people capable of using magic. There are both male and female witches. Get over yourselves. Yeah, however, the female witches are stated to be more powerful. Just if you are, I guess, if you are born genetically female, you will be inherently more powerful than the av the average fem the average genetic female will be more powerful witch than average genetic male witch. That raises so many questions. Yes, they have not gotten into anything involving trans people. They probably won't ever. Probably not. <laughs> but kind of right out of the gate, there is just the main character of the show is gay. They don't fucking dance around that at all. It's just actually gay. But yeah, so the main thing like happening right now in the world is there is a terrorist organization known as the Spree. It is a group of witches fighting uh, to fighting to um, get the world governments to, or at least the United States government. No, sorry, actually, it is the world governments to stop the world governments from forcing witches to conscript. Because around the world, every witch is every witch has to do mandatory service in them in their country's military. And the way the and the main way the spree is doing this is by walking into populated areas with a balloon. That balloon explodes, and then everyone who hears that balloon explode kills themselves. Because you know magic. And I will say that the way that they use magic in the show is their magic system is interesting to me. Okay. Because it is not word based, it is tone based. They have essentially a like catalog of root tones. Just like sounds that's like sounds that you make that are that both exist within and beyond the spectrum of human hearing. That once you like pair them up with other ones have different magical effects. With the primary ones they're learning being like scrying, healing, and wind strike, which is just force blast. They just go and then they and then people they're fighting get blown back. Also, no guns. From what I have seen, mainly anywhere. They use a series of whips with like magic stones at the end. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I guess with I guess with magic they were like, hey, who needs guns? We got fucking witches who can just go ha at people. And no one, I, I, I do not know the full history of this world. Uh, I do know that there is apparently a huge chunk just taken out of the straight, like the middle of America. That's called the session where the natives live. Yeah, so our main characters for this show are um, Rail Caller, uh, who is from the, who's from the session, whose uh, mother was a witch, whose dad was not a witch. And she mainly focuses on like, healing stuff. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, you always got to have a healer in every party. We all know this from playing years of D&D. Yeah. Uh, Tally Craven, a girl who a girl who was actually given a dispensation to not have to, for, not have to participate in the military. Like, her mom went through something horrible and, like, fucking didn't get to have kids. Like, lost a bunch of her kids or something. And so then the government was like, hey, you lost a bunch of fucking people from your line because... Maintaining bloodlines is a very big deal within this world. 
Not so much like, not so much like you know racial purity so or whatever, but just like inbreeding. Not inbreeding, just selected breeding. Just hey, we have gotten like five dudes here. They're all from incredibly powerful families. Fuck some of them. Because a big point of pride for these, like, for, like, for, for, like, the very big families, big point of pride for them is continuing the matrilineal line. There always needs to be some people of these names in high positions in the military. And, hey, if you fuck someone powerful, there's a higher likelihood of that baby being more powerful. That's the main thrust of, like, the higher echelon society. Which we'll get to in a second. But yeah, Tally Craven, she was given a dispensation to not have to, compete, not have to participate in the military, and she volunteered because she believed that joining the military, becoming part of something bigger than yourself, was a noble thing to do. Which I am not here to argue. Military folk, whatever. Appreciate your service. Don't talk to me about it, please. Uh, and the last one is Abigail Bellwether, who is part of the Bellwether line. An incredibly, incredibly important line that dates back to, apparently, Salem. And she is very much like, hey, my family is important. I need to be important. Fuck anyone who gets in my way. And yeah, it's them learning military shit, doing witch shit, and then dealing with multiple terrorist organizations, including... The Camarilla, who end up popping up later, which is just people who hunt witches. Ah, and, and they dress witch like hunters. Yep, and they dress like cool dads. Just all of them wearing like fucking wide brim, sun, like wide brim, fucking like fishing hats. What? Like cool dads. Like, what do you mean, cool dads? So they're all wearing chunky work boots and very loose-fitting denim jeans with wide-brimmed fishing hats and, like, and like, and like you know, full-eye-covering sunglasses, but then also, like, cool red leather jackets. Okay. <laughs> like, like, the bottom half dresses like me, but the top half doesn't. Yeah, it's essentially just, like, dad from top of head to neck and then dad from the waist down. And in the middle is a leather jacket they all got on wholesale. Because all of them wear it. And it's actually kind of a neat thing with, like, the Camarilla specifically, because the Camarilla has found a way to not... Because, like, the, the witch part of the body are the vocal cords. If you have the right vocal cords, you're a witch. Okay, so they manipulate the world... They ma manipulate the energies of the world through the frequency of their voice. Yes, which is what which is what the tones I was talking about earlier. That's clever. And the Camarilla find witches, kill them, and remove their vocal cords to put them inside of a box that lets them use witch powers. Oh, that's dark as fuck. Yes. But it can also get a little bit stupid. Because there's one point where... So Abigail, her fucking cousin, the cousin that she's very close with gets fucking murdered, gets a vocal cord ripped out. And then, a few episodes later, one of the Camarilla uses those vocal cords to talk in her cousin's voice, very clearly auto-tuned and, like, digitized, but then she's still like, my cousin, and goes to follow the voice and almost gets killed. Oh, Lord. Yep. 
it is very much written like a fucking like ABC Family CW style show where it's a lot of melodrama and a lot of like teen kind of bullshit. But I have been enjoying it. I've been enjoying the world they set up. Like I, this, this is a world that feels like they had has has had a non-zero amount of thought put into it, which is something surprising for teen drama shows. A lot of them are just kind of like, hey, there's magic stuff happening. Why? Under the surface, no one Who knows cares? about it. Yeah, it's hidden just beneath the surface. No one knows about it. You're special because you can see it. Eh, eh. You ever see Shadowhunters? It's like that. Don't watch Shadowhunters. Shadowhunters is very bad. Like, very bad. Very bad. And apparently, apparently based off of an author's work that had a non-zero amount of maybe incest... Mortal Instruments is a fucking ride. Yeah, I have been enjoying Motherland. I have been... I have, I guess I've inoculated myself to a lot of the teen drama bullshit that happens in a lot I of these shows. troubles with teen drama. Oh, so do I, but I'm more... Ta- but I have a higher threshold for it than most. And I have been enjoying a lot of the witch shit. I've been enjoying seeing this world develop and seeing and seeing how like this witch stuff gets done. I've been enjoying a lot of that. Um, I've kind of been enjoying our lead character. Like I've, I'm liking Rael kind of more than I thought I would because like one of her whole things is that she does not like the military at all. She hates all authority, but largely hates the military because the military... Her mom was part of the military, and her mom died on a mission. And the military... She sees it as entirely the military's fault that she died. And so... Potentially could have some spree leanings. But never really gets to that. She kind of, like, stays the course and ends up kind of going fully in with this group of girls. Because all the... Because all every group is grouped into squads as part of their coven. Because, you know, witches... All in the groups of three and, you because know, three, I don't know. It's witch shit that you've seen, but is through a military lens now. <laughs> if you've watched Charmed, you get a vague idea. <laughs> uh, Charmed. Yeah, like, I, I'm enjoying her more than I thought I would. Their characters are getting development. And I'm enjoying that, like, and there's some neat shit in the world. Like one of the shit, one of the shit they have is like this ancient clan of like witches who have entirely cut themselves off from the rest of the world and live an entirely pacifist lifestyle with magic that is that is like degrees more powerful than anything the military has. And so the military is very much like, "Hey, give me your shit. I want it. I need it. Please. I hunger." But they're just like, no, fuck you. No, we're not going to give you our goddamn magic. You can go murder people with it, you fuckers. Because kind of the main military figure in this world, um, Sarah Alder, who was actually, who was actually a person who was alive when the Accords were signed. 
Like she has been she has been a part of this fucking shit since the literal beginning of America. She has kept largely in power and kept her position through just kind of intimidation and magic fuckery. Like at one point the president was straight up going to say, "Hey, we have evidence that Alder has been doing some dirt shit, so we're going to fucking depose, so we're going to fucking strip her of her title and force her into retirement and give it to someone else." So then she, using her magic, puppeted the president and said, "Hey, Sarah Alder's doing a fucking bang up job. She gets to stay on. Four more years." Which is a big no-no for multiple reasons. But she just kind of does it and gets away with it because no one's going to fucking question her because she's the most powerful witch in the world right now. Ah, oh, raw power. That's the way to get authority. Yes, and then there's also a subplot going on where multiple... Sorry, one main witch, um, actually one of our main character's mothers, who is the head of like military intelligence, is like, hey, fuck this bitch. We need to get her out of here. And is doing like, is trying to do like subterfuge shit and try to find ways to undercut her authority and make her just have to step down no matter what weird, dumb magic fuckery she does. Because, hey, guess what? This witch did some war crimes. Yay. War crimes. War crimes, war crimes. Yeah, I have been enjoying Motherland more than I thought I would. Uh, if you guys can handle some teen fuckery, I would recommend it. It's got some neat. It's got some neat world building stuff, and I like the magic system in it. Yeah, that's all I got. Cave. Well, let's start with hey, the only bad thing I watched. Hey, it wasn't two hours. Let's start with the only bad thing I watched. Hatchet. Ah, yes. I watched this on the recommendation of someone whose recommendations I'm going to be taking much more reservedly from now on. Uh, they were like, yeah, it's a pretty solid slasher movie. It's a pretty solid my modern slasher movie, and it's set in New Orleans. So, you know, that's fun. And the moment I found out it was set in New Orleans, I was like, mmm, okay. <laughs> As a New Orleanian, there has been exactly one show that I have watched that referenced anything New Orleanian and did it well. What was that? And that was NCIS. Really? Every time Abby's talking about New Orleans or like our area, it's like someone it was it's like it was written by someone who actually lived here and because it was written for a like a background statement, nobody was like, "Oh, we got to New Orleansify that. That doesn't sound real." Yeah, put some fucking drawl on it. Give that some gators. Yeah. Speak some patois, you fucker. So, you want to know the time of year I hate the most being represented in uh, movies and TV? Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras! Because it's never Mardi Gras from the perspective of the people who actually have to live with this shit. <laughs> yes, it's Mardi, Mardi Gras from, from the, the perspective of the tourists. I drank 15 times today and I only threw up six. Woo! There's a page, show me your tits. One of the characters actually takes off his beads during the, like, 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 it's like, oh, we're going to go on the swamp tour. Guess I won't need these anymore. Well, Dumb shit. See, well, you don't want to see gator titties? It's dumb shit. So, some of the stupid ass things that Hatchet did. 
in mo in a lot of slasher movies, there's titillation. There's the ooh, I'm gonna get to see some boobs. Yep. Hatchet ruined that. Tight. Hatchet had a guy who was just some random fuck, like pretend to be a movie producer, and like he had his own home video camera, and he was just <laughs> shooting these two hoes, and they were hoes, like flashing periodically. <laughs> and like it would just like randomly happen during the course of the movie he'd be like all right ladies time to get the tits out right, and i'm burps. just like really okay i mean we need tits our main character is like like dull as dishwater captain boring oh my friends are having fun but i'm not so i should ruin it for everyone i want to go on a swamp tour <laughs> and then everyone throughout the swamp tour proceeds to shit on the swamp tour it's like bitch if you didn't want to be here why the fuck are you here yeah you are here to pretend at least to be scared if i tell you those lights are ghosts they're ghosts not swamp gas and like we have to put up with this shit for like half the movie Half the movie is boring, dull, dumb, uninteresting characters. And then someone gets bitten by a gator. And that's where, like, shit starts getting interesting. <laughs> the characters aren't interesting still, but people are dying. So, yay. And then we got our main character monster, Hatchet, who was a deformed kid who lived in the swamp. The swamp, which is, like, right off of Main Street, New Orleans, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> like they go from swamp to graveyard to the French Quarter. I'm not even kidding. Okay, I this know movie, nothing. Like, I know nothing of New Orleans. All right, there is no swamp in New Orleans. You have to leave New Orleans by a good distance, and then you get like dry land swamp for a while, and then after that you get to wet swamp. You get okay. to what everybody thinks of as swamp. Like, you have to travel a fair distance to get to the swamp. And my absolute favorite part, at one point, one of them claimed to be able to see the city lights from the top of a tree. You can't see shit in a swamp but swamp. Unless a plane was flying overhead, you ain't seeing no city lights from the middle of a swamp tour. <laughs> like this movie doesn't know how new orleans itself exists and functions yet i'm pretty sure it was shot here <laughs> i don't like and this is another thing that really bothered me in like in new orleans we've got a pretty decent vietnamese population i don't know if the actor was like chinese but they had an asian actor speaking chinese whenever he would get upset and I'm like, really? We, if you wanted an Asian guy, why didn't you go Vietnamese? <laughs> it's like it's it's like these and these little nitpicks, nitpicks stacked up until I could not stand it anymore. And I was fucking plastered at this point. So if I was still upset at the movie, dear God. <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, yes, the actor is Chinese. Okay. Well, so he's well, he's, well, he's American, but Chinese descent. Yeah. So like. Like, I'm not offended that he, like, there's a guy playing a Chinese character. I'm offended that there's a guy not playing a Vietnamese character. <laughs> it's like, 
That's, a, that's like it's a like you don't go to school in Louise in New Orleans without having a Vietnamese friend. Like that's just a fact of life in New Orleans. He was also a voice actor in Sleeping Dogs and Mortal Kombat X. Uh, he was like the acting was reasonable. It was the story that was fucking useless. <laughs> so I actually do have a question. Um, so yeah, being set in New Orleans during the worst time to be living in New Orleans. Do you think you would have, if not enjoyed the movie more, hated it less if you weren't from New Orleans? If I wasn't from New Orleans, there would have been less hatred. Okay. Because a lot of my initial disdain came from, wait, this is set in New Orleans? Oh, Fuck. you fuckers. Because no, no movie has done New Orleans right. What about Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans? Okay. Except for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, His soul was still no, dancing. Like, I, I would have still... I would have still hated it because of the fact that they ruined breasts. <laughs> like, literally, two beautiful women whipping their tits out became a point of annoyance for me. <laughs> because there was no point other than, <laughs> we're going to, uh, uh, we're, we're going to titillate you the easiest way possible. <laughs> and I'm just, it's so frustrating. Because tits are one of the reasons why I watch horror movies. Like, I'll be sitting there enjoying a drink with Birdie, and when tits come out, I fist bump him. Because <laughs> it's like, yep, we got the horror movie part. Like, this is what the horror movies, like, this is part of how they get guys like us to watch horror movies. Just, just imagining two men in their 30s just blitzed out of their goddamn mind watching a horror movie. Tits come out, there's like, <laughs> like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, no, that's like, that's, like I turn my brain off when the tits come out. They and it just happened so often that, oh, oh, man. Oh, that's funny. That is, that is it's a, so bad. That's the best it's visual. So, it's so terrible. Oh, you want to hear what's kind of, you hear what's kind of fucking terrible? Like, even the kills are boring. Do like, ever, the one thing a slasher movie kind of has to do right. Yeah. The kills. Do they ever boring. use a hatchet to kill? Uh, I don't actually remember. I think one of the kills, maybe? But I'm not sure. I think, like, it's called Hatchet just because that's the, like, bad guy's, like, nickname. It's so bad. Yes, well, hey, here's the thing that's also pretty bad. Uh, so, this movie spawned three sequels in a comic book franchise. You wonder yeah, how much money and that's part of that's actually part of why we watched it. Because yeah. we were like, oh, it's a, a modern slasher series with, a, with a, that's actually got a franchise? Great. Yeah. Do you want to know how much money the first movie made? I don't, but you're going to tell me. On a $1.5 million budget, it made 209000 How did it get three sequels in a comic? The internet, I guess. <laughs> how did it get three sequels in a comic? Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I'm actually going to check this out. Uh, because I do not believe that the reception of these movies ever really increased. <laughs> yeah, so it was... Let's see here. 
it's because the first film has a 55 on Rotten Tomatoes. Second is a 36. Third has. All right. All right. Enough. I'm, so, a fi- I'm in pain. Third is a 57. That's not much of an improvement. And Victor Crowley, a.k.a. Hatchet 4. Got a 4 out of 5. From Dead from Dread Central. That's depressing. Yeah, the fourth so, movie is when they got good. So, I watched good horror. Oh, really? Yes, I watched the original It. Ooh. And anyone who loves the two modern It movies needs to watch the original It. Not because it's better. The modern It movies are better. I just prefer the original It, and I think that it has certain things that the modern one just is missing. And I think, um, uh, I'll say, uh, anyone who loved the first modern day movie and tolerated the second. The okay. second. <laughs> chapter two was not good. Well, if you want to see chapter two done well, <laughs> <laughs> the original It is actually pretty much that. You just get some flashbacks to chapter one. Yeah, like the original It movie, it, well, there's a miniseries, I guess. It was split yeah, up. Yeah, it was a. It was originally a TV miniseries. Yeah, and it was, um, and it was like told. Both things were essentially told concurrently, where like someone would get called up, and then they'd have like this ridiculous zoom, in, and then they get a flashback to them as kids, as it then like kind of led up to them going to fight Pennywise, because the adult stuff kind of dull. Yep, <laughs> and that's honestly one of the reasons why I like the original it so much because they managed to do both stories well together um the original it has a master of just being like like he is the goofiest corniest greatest actor of his time and that is tim curry yeah rest in peace i love tim curry he's not dead god yeah. rest his soul yeah. yeah he's not dead but he had a stroke so not exactly yeah. out there getting movies done. He's anymore. not. He's not acting anymore. He's not acting anymore. Uh, and if he does, I will watch whatever it is. Yeah, of just course. Just out of respect for the man. I mean, there like there's only one place left for communism, and it's space. Space. <laughs> space. Uh, uh, I... He's also in uh, Clue. Uh, Tim Curry is great in Clue. Yep. He's the butler. Um, and if you if you want one of his probably weirder roles, look up Toxic Love. They, they yeah, they, they know that. Um, that is the thing Birdie will always reference whenever we're talking about Tim Curry. He will find Tim a Curry way. He will find a way to crowbar in a Toxic Love reference. Tim Curry is one of my favorite actors, and uh, I re- I rec- any movie with him with him in it is probably going to at least be entertaining. Could you imagine and, if Tim Curry? Like, if his final role is the next Red Alert game. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Just that's uh, how that's how he ends everything. He's just he's just like, I am back from space! I am back from space to bring the glory of communism back to the earth with my legion of death alien robots. And they're all Pennywise the dancing clown. <laughs> yeah. It's so like, he hey, voices hey, he, literally every soldier he, in his army. He doesn't turn into your greatest fear. He turns into our greatest fear, comrade. <laughs> oh, but no. 
I highly recommend the original It. The performances are really solid. Uh, none of the movies do like g g are actually like 100% accurate to the movie, and the TV miniseries is less accurate than the new two. Um, it's just... This is the movie that made me afraid of clowns. Yep, same. Also the toilets. The original It. It's, it gave me cholerophobia. And I struggled with that for a good part of my life. I could not go to circuses without, like, dodging the clowns. And my mom would, like, make fun of me for it, because my mom's that kind of person. I had problems pooping. Because he lived in the sewer, and I was afraid if I sat in the toilet, he would grab me by the balls. <laughs> That's where my mind went. What kind of guy I am. <laughs> but I highly recommend the original It. Uh, it's probably dirt cheap to find. I've got a like a DVD collection that costs like $5 that has it. Um, One thing that I actually kind of want to mention. It, in just... my opinion, is one of the best Stephen King adaptations. Like right up there with The Shining. So Stephen King probably hates it. Oh yeah, Stephen King probably despises it. <laughs> yeah, he had his own version that was infinitely worse. Yeah, one thing I want to one thing I want to mention with like the so even though it doesn't have it, this movie feel like the TV miniseries. The adults act like the child orgy happened because all <laughs> Just of them are awkward and uncomfortable around each other. No, because all of them are real fucking handsy with Beverly. Yeah, true. Like, they all go in for the kiss. All of them. For those who don't know, if you're new to if you're new to hearing people talk about it, then hey, guess the fuck what? In the book, there was a child orgy. Yeah. The justification it's not in that shocking. The justification in storyline was they were trapped in the sewers after defeating Pennywise using the ritual of Chud, which was told which was told to our main kid by Atwin the space turtle. I believe that's his name. Or am I confusing it with the Discworld turtle? I don't remember. One of the various space turtles told this kid, hey, you gotta go, you gotta go ooga booga to Chud. And that will destroy this evil clown man. So they do that. But then they are trapped in the sewers. In order to get out of the sewers, they need to throw away their innocence, throw away their childhood, and go into adulthood. And the way they do that is by all five of the boys fucking the one girl. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't make sense in the book either. Yep, Stephen King was on a lot of cocaine. Yeah, it was like a lot of cocaine. Honestly, I'm shocked his editor didn't make him take that part out. Yeah, honestly, like you don't. Not many fucking like. Not many like thousand page books. Have a more than one page scene of multiple children having sex. In a sewer unprotected with one girl there's so many levels that wrong that's just wrong Ugh. yeah it's uncomfortable as hell yep but in the new movie they take that they take the ritual of Chud from Space Turtle and make it 
non I make it not working Aboriginal magic. Because even in twenty fucking twenty, we can't get away from the stereotype that all natives know magic. Are you saying I don't know magic? Are you native? I'm descended. Like it's in my bloodline. Okay. I'm like one I'm like one sixteenth. That might be the whitest thing I've heard you say. It is the whitest thing you've heard me say. But here's something that's not white. Doesn't matter how much I got in me, white people are still gonna say that I am se- I am X because that way they don't have to qualify me as fucking white. But no, my family's been trying to get proof so that we could actually, you know, get into that, like, like get get acknowledged yeah. by our ancestry. So yeah, get your blood quantum verified. Or however you use that term. I just know blood quantum is used to like determine membership in tribes. I know nothing about that. That's just that's my family doing that. Yes, I learned that term from a horror movie that I need to watch, where a Native American, where a First Nations tribe in Canada is surviving a zombie apocalypse because the tribe is genetically immune to the zombie virus. And from Scalped, the comic book I read recently for the comics podcast. Where one of the characters is a white guy who got uh, pit, who got pitched out of the tribe because he did not have enough uh, kickapoo blood in his kickapoo blood in his body. He was one sixteenth, um, and he was not allowed in. One, like I actually really like the ending from the original It TV series, TV miniseries, which is shoot it in the head and then rip the bastard to pieces. It's yes. so much more visceral. It's so yeah. much more visceral. It, it feels earned. They fire a hunk of silver at the spider's forehead and then just like fucking Ooga Booga Caveman scream at it till its heart falls out. And then they kind of ruin it by taking like the emotional like weight of the movie, which was our main character's wife got attacked and kind of went catatonic. And just like, all I have to do is ride you down a hill recklessly on my bicycle. Whee! And like, oh yay, we get a fucking happy ending. Yay, San Francisco is famous for not having potholes. Or drunk drivers. Yeah. Woo. Or cops that would arrest you for recklessly careening down the hill. And I saw the ponytail I knew as a writer. Yeah. I was like, yeah, let him be. He's searching for, <laughs> he's searching for the next great script. Rattle, rattle. But yeah, um, I highly recommend, like I've said this before, I highly recommend the original It TV miniseries. It is, if you, if you don't like, like, mediocre to bad movies, and that that is where this falls, in my opinion. I love it. It's a mediocre to bad movie. Yeah, it's not great. Um, um, Also. It's good for a few beers, you know? It's good to watch with a group, make fun of, laugh at Tim Curry, because Tim Curry is... Hands down, the best thing in this movie. Most of the child adult actors are not that entertaining, and like half of the child actors aren't entertaining. So, yeah. But hey, there's young, there's baby Seth Green. Yeah, he's not funny. Yep. I don't think he was that. written by someone who thought who he was written. Uh, he was written to be someone who thinks they're funny by someone who thinks they're funny. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, fuck. Oh, yeah, also Jonathan Brandis. Hmm. But, yeah. Um, 
What else can I say? Uh, it tries to be weirdly funny sometimes, and then, like, hard turns into the dark, which is actually <laughs> really good. Like, no, 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 like, it's actually, in my opinion, good. Because they'll, the, they'll have these moments where it's like, oh, are we going into com? Oh, God, no, that's ahead. Yay, dead body. Uh, at one point, one of the characters is making fun of somebody for not showing up. And then, like, the guy who's supposedly on the phone with him is just like, he's dead. And it's just like, <laughs> damn! <laughs> so good. It's just like, slap in the face. Like, you think you're about to get a laugh and then, bam, right in the face. No. Yeah. It works. And I really think that it... It... The original It had a lot of potential that got seen through in Chapter 1. But from what Dead's told me, Chapter 2 didn't follow up on Chapter 1's excitement, interest, drive. Nope. That makes me a little sad. Also, yeah, it's it's the very it's a very, very weird thing where... So, in terms of the roles of the characters, Mike the only black kid was the history nerd who ended up staying behind in Derry, tracking the history of this stuff in order to map out when the, when Pennywise would be coming back so they could fucking come back and kill it. That was his purpose in the story. They took away that purpose entirely and gave it to the fat kid who already had being fat. Mm-hmm. Truffle shuffle. Yep. And they get to the second one and then he's just falling back into the role he had before when he was the, when he was the history nerd. He's working at the library, finding out all the shit about fucking Pennywise. He also turned to hard drugs. Damn. Yep. Yeah, I, I that whole fucking is that second movie was not great. It was not great. It also kind of put another thing that I didn't like in so Bill Skarsgård who plays Pennywise in the new movies he is claimed by people who know more about the book than I do to be more book accurate to Pennywise than the Tim Curry movie was I'd say yes I never finished the book but I did read a lot of it okay how the fuck did he get anyone to stay near him long enough to kill them? And that's the big problem. The man is the man is the one from the fucking movie. terrifying. Like that's the that's the that's the problem with it. It chapter one. It versus it TV miniseries. It it TV miniseries. They went for a clown that like actually would be entertaining at a birthday party. Yeah, they made him a clown. Whereas, they made him a clown that that ridiculous children who like clowns for some fucking reason would be down to go talk to. I, I never liked clowns. They always smelled like clothing stores. Clowns are creepy, and I assume all of them are serial killers, even though they aren't. Yes, if you are a clown, you have killed someone before. If you haven't, you have. I was a clown for a little while. That's I'm how so I got over my fear. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, um, it was for a, like a church circus. I'm so um, sorry. Yeah, it's like in chapter two of it, like 
there's a point where a little girl, she has like this little like she has like a birthmark on her face, and so she's she's Pennywise's balloon and follows that down beneath the bleachers at a local high school football game. At which point Pennywise, with his massive bulbous head, fucking drooling mouth and eyes going in two different directions, pops out of the darkness and is like, "Hi, little girl, what are you doing here?" While lit underneath by candlelight. Dead. Yes. I think that the he that kids stay around this clown for the same reason they stay around the other serial killer kidnapper clowns that happen in real life. Kids are dumb. Like, I think it's genuinely just kids are dumb and, like, will say, like, oh, it's a clown? Yeah, but like, he doesn't even look like a modern clown. He looks like a fucking, like, ancient clown that kids won't even recognize as a clown. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I don't think I would... But one of the big things that we have to stay, say is neither of us like clowns. No, we do not. I think all clowns are freaking serial killers because they, they're creepy. I've never seen a clown that wasn't creepy. Clowns are always creepy. But other people like clowns. You mean wrong people? Yes. Yes. And surprisingly or not surprisingly, a lot of the people you think are wrong make up the majority of the world. Yeah, shocking. The world is wrong. Who knew? Yeah. It usually is. Hmm. Anyway, anything else to say about it? Uh, that's it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I apologize oh, for that Oh, you one. fucker. You goddamn I monster. for that one. Go on to your last fucking movie. Uh, I actually have two more. Um, oh, right. Killer Clowns. Another clown movie. <laughs> Killer Clowns from Outer Space. The better clown movie. I say about this one that I haven't said in the past. It's a great sci-fi, goofy, campy romp. Watch it. Give it money. I believe that they were planning to do a remake at some point. I don't trust that. Um, like, the original is great. Like, it's got, it, the actors are there. What really drives the movie is the sheer, like, weird, out of left field, punch you in the balls kind of comedy situations that these clowns are just presenting at all times at one point one of them does a shadow puppet show that eats a bunch of pedestrians at another point our asshole cop literally gets a hand up his asshole to turn him into a marionette not a marionette a ventriloquist dummy this shit is out of left field and i love it like killer clowns from outer space is probably the movie that actually broke me of my fear of clowns because they were so monstrous and weird that I'm like, yeah, this is how evil clowns should look. <laughs> um, but it's real. It, it's a movie you need to watch, and it's a movie that I recommend a couple of beers in your system for, or the equivalent. I watched that movie Stone Cold Sober and loved it. Yeah, it's a great movie. I watched it mostly sober and loved it. But 
I recommend a few beers because it's it's just creepy enough that if you just want some campy funniness, you might be a little off put. <laughs> and yes, it is a little creepy. Yeah, it's a it's a throwback to like nineteen fifties era of like horror, like sci fi horror movies, but done with you know camp and funniness behind it. Yeah, and it's very very tongue in cheek. Yeah, it knows how stupid the premise is. It fucking plays into it. Oh, what are you going to do? Knock my block off? I watched the modern Murder on the Orient Express. I have been waiting to hear... I've been waiting to hear other people's opinions on this. Because, like, I've seen, like, other people's stuff, and I don't... Whatever. Like, you know... I know that you know more about Agatha Christie than I do. I need to preface this entire review with... A sentence. Well, a statement. When I ask people what their favorite murder mystery is, and they say Murder on the Orient Express, I stop talking to them about murder mysteries. Tight. Murder on the Orient Express is such a ubiquitous murder mystery that it is only outdone by people saying, Oh, I love Sherlock Holmes! (laughs) When you ask them what their favorite murder mystery is. And for years, I refused to touch this story because I heard Murder on the Orient Express so often. (laughs) Now, I have read it, but that was years ago. So I don't really remember it. I do know they changed the ending. And I'm actually not going to spoil it. Because while this has been out for a while, I actually think this was good enough to be worth watching. The setup is simple. Our main character, Hercule Poirot, solves an interesting mystery at the beginning of the movie. A mystery that we get, like, a taste of. It's like they brought us out a sampler platter. We picked up a little bit, like, oh, that's good. I want more of that. I want more of that detective. That detective was clever. I like him. Okay? So we get that little intro mystery, and we get more about Hercule Poirot as we go on. We actually learn about his personality. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How does that happen in a movie? You don't have time to learn about a personality. You need to get straight into the dumb shit. Hell yeah, brother. This is is another movie that has, like, five minutes of Johnny Depp. (laughs) Like, Johnny Depp is a character in this, and he's actually, like, a pivotal character. But he's in, like, five minutes of the movie. But, um, so Hercule Poirot is like, all right, I got to go back to my country to solve another mystery. Ow, my back. I think it hurt my back. Um, uh, yes, he hurt his back. As he so, so he's like, I need to get a ride back home. Oh, hey, my friend, Monsieur Boo. Uh, I think it was his, I think that was his name. I think it was Boo. I think it was, actually, no, it was Boch. I think, I don't remember. But, um, he's like, let me ride upon your train. No euphemisms allowed. And yeah. the guy's like, yeah, sure, I'll be your assistant throughout the murder mystery that's going to happen. What? I mean, it's going to be so relaxing. No murder. It's going to be so no great, mysteries. guys. You just get to relax. There's not going to be anything possible that's going to happen. Yeah, what's this train called again? The Orient Express. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> I played that Call Cthulhu module. <laughs> um, there, actually is, there actually is an Orient Express Cthulhu module. Cool. Uh, uh, you know we're going to do that at some point. <laughs> um, and we get we actually get like snippets of characters, and then 
Uh, then we actually like we get to dive deeper a little bit into characters. We get to learn more about them. Johnny Depp plays a like a criminal gangster kind of guy. You've got the uptight uh, puritanical bitch who is like staring down her nose at anybody who even touches a glass of wine. The rich bitch who thinks she's better than everybody else, and her governess who's suffering through. Um, you've got the black doctor in the nineteen like forties, and they actually comment on that. He's like, yeah, I served in I served in the army, and they had to make me a doctor because that was my reward. <laughs> and that, like that, like that's like he gets explained at least. Um, and then we get our Mister Body, who I'm not going to spoil who the Mister Body is. If you've read it, you probably know who your Mister Body is. But if you haven't, go watch this movie. It's very good. Um, we go we go through Hercule. Like, the train, like, crashes into a snowbank, so, like, they're stuck in one place while he tries to solve the mystery. Um, and, and eventually he does, like, he almost solves it. And then because of actions of others, he solves the, he gets the whole picture. And there is an, there is actually a point where I'm like, did they change this movie? And, like, to, in order so that they could kill Hercule Poirot here. Because nobody would expect it. They didn't do that. <laughs> Hercule survives and ultimately solves the mystery. Oh, thank God. But, dear God, this movie was... It wasn't, like, the most amazing thing ever. I'd say it's a solid 3.5 out of 5 stars. But if you're a fan of mysteries, and you're that asshole who's always like, Oh, the murder of the Orient Express is my favorite mystery, and you haven't seen this one, you need to see this one. If you like mysteries, you need to see this one. Because it's a well-done mystery. Our characters are well-established. It's interesting. And just... I love it. I loved this movie. I, I got it out of a bargain bin. Nice. Like I got it for $5. And I only bought it because I've heard a lot of good things. I should probably eventually see this. Because I'm a mystery buff. I'm a horror movie and I'm a mystery buff. I should probably see this movie. And I did not regret it. I would have bought this movie for $20. My favorite mystery is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, that's such a good one! Who Framed Roger Rabbit is like the best answer you can have. Yeah, Mine's, uh, and then there were none. It's like that in Chinatown. I've never seen Chinatown. It's very good. It was directed by a monster. I need to, I need to say that. I don't know who directed this. I don't know the names of any of the other actors. Just the fact that Johnny Depp is in it. Kenneth um, Branagh, isn't it? As well as Dame Judi Dench, Leslie Odom Jr., Daisy Oh, Ridley. yeah, Dame Judi Dench is in this. Willem Dafoe. She's great. She, she, plays a, she plays a great asshole. Olivia Coleman's in it. I don't even know who that is. Uh, I, I know basically everyone in this cast. Good. Inclu- including Derek Jacoby. Who I don't know if this is real life or not, but he may or may not be a fucking Shakespeare trutherist. Ugh. Yeah, he he was in the movie Anonymous. Like yeah, as part. I remember, we watched that movie, didn't we? Yes, we did. As part of Shakespeare Month. Well, quote unquote Shakespeare. For those of you who don't know, quote, my opinion is Shakespeare wrote his shit. Deal with it. Yeah, fuck you. You goddamn theater elitists. 
Because for those who don't know, there is a straight up a group of people. Okay, no, okay, so he is real for that. He is real, actually part of that. Yes, there's a group of people who believe that that William Shakespeare, the man, the son of a fucking lowly peasant or whatever, could not have possibly written stories that good and characters that that realized. That, that it had to be somebody else. And according to these guys, this group of people, it was Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford, who wrote the works of Shakespeare. It had to be someone who was born rich and important. Yeah, it had to be someone who was like fucking... It had to be someone of noble blood. Uh, one, 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 like, uh, Kyle Calgren, Browse Hog Guy, did, did a video on this thing a while back, and my favorite line for that thing, but how can Falcon if not posh? Is that line was, is that line from his review was very always very funny to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so the whole thing is just these are too good. It must have been a rich guy, and then he mailed his shit into the fucking Globe Theater, and then a fucking drunk asshole was like, "Yeah, I'm Shakespeare. I wrote that." Yeah, which it's just, just insulting to. It is insulting to if you believe that you have basically said that anyone who was not born upper middle class or better is inferior period yeah they believe and yeah. no there is no dodging that no you are very seriously classist and the world is not going to tolerate you for very long once you know as time moves on there's a reason that the french have had so many revolutions and it's because the bourgeoisie acted like that yes eat the rich and so forth i'm getting hungry I'm always hungry. Oh, but yeah. That's it for this week. Thank you all for joining us. I don't have anything else. <laughs> no, I'm done. All right, yeah. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back. Probably. Maybe. Hopefully. And we got the other stuff we're doing. I'm back making videos at a somewhat regular clip. Uh, we got... We got uh, more commentaries coming out soon. Titans has started airing, so that will be so. Once that gets on Canadian Netflix, we're gonna be fucking barreling through that. that nightmare. Oh, no, I promised Birdie I'd watch that with you guys. That's fine. I already have three people to suffer through it. Okay. Okay, because I don't think I have enough alcohol in my state for me to suffer through that. You don't. I'm gonna just say straight up, you don't. Because the Birdie watching it, you definitely don't. <laughs> just gotta split it between us yeah <laughs> just both of you just like hook up every single bottle of alcohol you can find there's like a giant fucking like there's a giant funnel that just leads out to two IV drips uh, anyway until all that stuff though I'm dead and I'm Cave we will see you guys next time goodbye have a wonderful time yeah, I'm